Good evening. I feel like it's a long time since I've done this. <laughs> um, is it possible to have the first reading from John 17 up on the screen? Because I just want to start with John 17, 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them. By the way, them is the disciples. <laughs> just so you know. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So just in case you haven't guessed, the theme is the importance of unity tonight. That's what I want to talk about. And Jesus really emphasises, it's disappeared, <laughs> about being one. It's, it's back. That they may be one. They, they being the believers, anyone who believes in Jesus, that we may be one as he is one with the Father. And it's interesting that he talks about the importance of unity in that unity is necessary even for the gospel message to be heard and for other people to come to faith in Jesus. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them. And I think this is really something that's on God's heart. It's on God's heart for believers. It's, this, is, this is scripture, but it's on God's heart for us as community as well. We are one body. And so not only is it a biblical principle that God's desire is for unity for believers. But I think here for us at St. Leonard's, God's given us some really clear and really specific prophetic words about the importance of unity for us as a fellowship in Cheshire Boys. And, and I was looking back when I was um, preparing this, and God's been speaking to us about the importance of unity. The first reference I found, it was back in 2018. And there's been a number of prophetic, really clear prophetic words to us very specifically about how important unity is for us as a fellowship. But I also know that unity is not always easy. I think, I think looking around tonight, we are, for the most part, one in heart and mind, you know? But there, there will be people in our fellowship for whom even this style of service will be difficult. And unity is challenging because in our culture, I think we are very used to living quite independent and disparate lives. It's just the nature of our society. And it's, we live in a society that is far less communal than it was in previous generations. And in biblical times, I think the sense of community was probably much stronger than it is for us. And so that in itself makes unity a challenge. And looking at tonight, we're quite, for want of a better word, monochromatic. <laughs> but as people come together as the body of Christ, we come with different cultural backgrounds. Even our own families have their own culture, and we do things differently. And we have different, different tastes. We might like watching different films. We like eating different food. 
We have different waking times and going to bedtime. All of that stuff means that actually unity can be a challenge. But I think for us as a church, it's even more challenging because we each have our own personal preference, I suppose, in terms of the sort of worship that we like or the, the style of liturgy. If we want liturgy or we don't want liturgy, whether we want a modern service or a traditional service, whether we like to, in the light of the announcement today, whether we like to meet at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10.30, all of those things challenge our sense of unity. But even though we have these differences... We really need to look at how we do unity because it's, it's not just a nice idea. I would go so far as to say it's a command. God is commanding us to work at our unity and embrace it. So how, how can we do that? I think it's worth starting by just saying, what do we mean by unity? Okay. <coughs> and the first thing I want to say is that unity is not uniformity, okay? Being called to unity doesn't mean that God wants us all to be the same. Heaven forbid. <laughs> that, would not be very, that would not be fun. And I think the fact that each of us is, is unique and different is a very beautiful thing. It enhances the kingdom. And actually, I think it enhances the body of Christ, that we all bring something different and something unique. And that's wonderful. So it's not uniformity. But what it does do, what I believe unity should do, is it should overcome any sense of dissension. And it should enable us to, to work and worship together in spite of and embracing our differences. That's what unity is. Because unity, what unity does is it gives us a common vision and a common purpose. Um, psalm 133, you'll all know this, I'm sure. It's a beautiful psalm. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the, upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So where there's unity, the Lord bestows his blessing. That's really important. And, and again, it is a very, very beautiful thing, like precious oil. Precious oil in the days of the psalmists. That, that was an extraordinary commodity. So, so valuable. And if we think about our Bibles for a moment, from the book of Isaiah onwards, with, I think with one book that isn't, it's, it's all prophets. It's all prophets. And so we... I want to talk a little bit about the importance of prophecy because the, the call for us to live in unity, as well as it being a fundamental biblical principle, as I say, we've had a number of really clear prophetic words to us about what unity looks like for St. Leonard's. And one of those things is about how we need to worship together, as I say, in spite of our different tastes and different different 
ways of worshipping. But because it's come prophetically, we need to really, really take it very, very seriously. Israel was a prophetic nation. And it was birthed out of a prophetic word to Abraham, which called him forth. And it's, it is the same today. God speaks to us. He calls us to journey with him together. It's a very corporate thing. And the thing about God speaking to us is that when God speaks, it's to move us. It's not for us to remain static, immobile. And I think when I look back at my experience of church as a teenager and early 20s, I think one of the, the big tragedies, if you like, of the church in our nation is that so much of the teaching is just doctrinal. Now, we need that. We need good biblical doctrinal teaching. But if that's all we have, if we, don't, if we don't listen to God for his word to us as a fellowship, and if the church generally doesn't do that, it can leave us very static because it's informational, not transformational. And God speaks to us and gives us his prophetic words because he wants us to be transformed. And so this, this call to unity is for our transformation. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's much more important than that. And the, so I think we need to allow God to speak to us where we're at because he wants, to, he wants to shape us. He wants to call us into new places because otherwise we just become hearers of the word and not doers. And God wants us to be hearers and doers because the, the, the very worst thing, I think, is to hear God's word, but then not act on it, because then it's like we're resisting what God is calling us to. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that place where I hear what God is saying, and then don't do anything with it. Don't just think, oh, that's nice. It's, it's not about a nice word. It's about a call to move forward. The Pharisees, I think, knew God's word. Didn't, I mean, they, they, they did. They they lived according to the word, but they thought that studying the scriptures was enough and it actually stopped them coming to Jesus because they were hearers only. I mean, you could argue that they were doers, but in a very legalistic way. And so our, the call for us as a fellowship to unity is not something that's on the whim of the leadership. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a nice idea. It's not an optional extra for the keenies. It's, it's a command of God calling us as the whole body here in Cheshire Boys to come into a place of unity with one another if we want to see breakthrough, if we want to see victory in the battles that we're facing, if we want to experience the Lord's favour, then we really need to act on his words to us. And there's another challenge, I think, to this stuff as well, and that is this, that I think... All of us here tonight, we know that God speaks prophetically. I don't think we'd be here if, if we didn't. But for a lot of us, we're, we're much more used to hearing God speak to us as individuals. And that's really good. It's fantastic. But we live again in a hyper-individualistic -individ culture. 
I've already said that we don't have that same sense of community and communal living that, that previous generations had. And so recognizing that God speaks to us as a body, even that sometimes is another, is another challenge that we need to overcome. And we've heard people say in the past about various things where the Lord has spoken to one person, perhaps, who's then shared that word with the eldership. Well, God didn't tell me, so why should I act on it? And that's the danger of being over, over having an overemphasis on this individual, individualistic stuff, is that we won't then own it for ourselves because God didn't speak it directly to me. Because whether, whether we like it or not, I think, I know this is true for me, we often kind of look at our relationship with God as me and Jesus. Yes, absolutely. I have a beautiful relationship with God, and, it's, and it is me and Jesus, but it's also us and Jesus. But because this, this sense of individualism pervades a whole culture, it's, it, it just requires a little bit of a mindset shift. I think, to understand that sometimes God speaks to us as a body through one or maybe two people. Now, actually, we've had a number of people bringing prophetic words about unity, but God hasn't necessarily spoken up to every individual person in the fellowship. But every individual person in the fellowship is called to act upon what God has spoken. Because throughout scripture, we see God speaking to whole communities. We see him speaking to people groups. And because the Holy Spirit indwells us, in actual fact, I would argue that each of us can be even more prophetic than the guys in the Old Testament because we have the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.18 says, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days, and they will prophesy. And we are a prophetic people. It's printed on our, our card, our yearly card. And it's exciting when we prophesy into each other's lives. It really is. In times of prayer ministry or freedom prayer, we had that amazing testimony this morning about the difference that those prophetic words that were spoken in that prayer point are made in a particular family's life. But we have to hear what God is saying to us as a body as well, as a community. Because <clears throat> one thing that the church isn't is a Christian club. <laughs> if, if we just come to church for our own personal spiritual improvement or to, to feel happier, we've got it wrong. We're missing the point. God's, God's word will always challenge us. And I want to say tonight that I think that church is actually not meant to be a comfortable place. It's not a place where I come to improve my life. And God's desire is that we live for him, and I don't live for me. We don't live for ourselves. And so his word to us is designed to pull us into places where our lives bring glory to him. You probably all know the phrase that God comes to, I think it's to discomfort the comfortable. He brings comfort, but he also discomforts those who are comfortable. 
And so God's word to us, I don't think we'll ever be comfortable. If it gets comfortable, then I think we're missing something. Because God somehow knows how to push our buttons <laughs> in, the, in a right way. He knows how to go straight to the place where there's something that needs to be dealt with. Because he loves us too much to leave us where we're at. He loves us too much to let us introspect and, and fall into those places of self-pity or self-focus. And as soon as we go into a place of self-focus, we'll lose sight on the bigger picture stuff and the corporate stuff. Because any form of Christianity that's self-focused is basically just religion. That's all it is. I heard some, I mean, well, I think we see it in the, in the press. You don't need to look very far to hear people kind of argue that the UK has now rejected Christianity. And we look at our society and we think, well, you can't call us a Christian society anymore. But actually, I think if our country knew what real Christianity was, they wouldn't reject Christianity. They're rejecting that organized religion, the boring stuff, the self-serving religion. Because certainly in some places, that's all the church has been offering. And that's heartbreaking. And that's why God is calling us to boot out religion at every point. We don't come to church for comfortable worship or for a nice top-up because that means, again, we're coming for ourselves and not for God. We come for God. It's all about him. And we're here to give him the worship he likes, not the worship we like. And so if the style of worship is something that causes us to struggle with unity, the question is, who's, who's it for? Who's it for? Is it for me to feel better and to enjoy that worship time? Or is it to, to glorify our Father in heaven and to worship in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ, even if it's not to my personal taste? And that's a challenge for all of us, whether we like the modern stuff, traditional stuff, whether we like the guitar or the keyboard, or the, it doesn't matter. What matters is that it glorifies God and that we're in it together. We're in it together. And that's going to cause many of us to come into new places and places that we might not expect or places that we might not be comfortable. And we need to make sure that we, we work at maintaining that unity regardless of what the shape of the service looks like, regardless of whether or not we keep the pews. I mean, some people are wedded to the pews, some people hate the pews. But those are not things that we we should be losing our unity over because fundamentally they're not the things that matter. What matters is that we are one body, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we're here to glorify God. We're not here to have comfortable bottoms on uncomfortable pews. <laughs> and actually that's what obedience looks like, isn't it? Obedience looks like doing what God has asked us to even if it's at great personal cost. And if, if we think about the, the church in the, the book of Acts, I think we do see a church there who really do understand what unity looks like. 
They choose unity within the body as a way of life. And I think that church is characterized by these things. I think a church that chooses unity is characterized by radical, fruitful repentance. By people genuinely desperate for God and acutely aware of his holiness so that they don't tolerate sin. That the church in the book of Acts had a huge sense of urgency about the need to share the gospel. And we read the scriptures and we're told there were daily salvations. Because that's what unity looked like for them. It looked like being all out for Jesus, telling people the good news of Jesus. They weren't interested about which building they met in or what songs they sang, even if they sang songs. And when we look at the ministry of the church, we see that those who were ministering did so with this incredible authority. The early church leaders, they knew the authority that they had and they walked in it. Silver or gold I have not, I give you what I have. Be healed in Jesus' name. They knew the authority that they had. There was a constant commitment to prayer. And a really beautiful reliance on the Holy Spirit. And a confidence and a faithfulness and a a confidence in God's faithfulness and his provision. I think that's what a church that understands unity looks like. There is a confidence in God's faithfulness and his provision. And the priorities of that church were centered on God. They weren't centered on the things of man. They weren't centered on what color the curtains were, what coffee brand was served at the end. Do you know what I mean? It's these things that we get so hung up about And those are the ridiculous things that we sometimes lose our unity over. And that's tragic, because that's not what matters. There was an interdependence between the believers. And that, I think, is in stark contrast to our independence. I'm not being critical. That is, we've all been brought up to be very independent. We go home to our separate houses. We might then not talk to somebody from church for a couple of days. Do do you know what I mean? We just are so individualistic. But if we're aware of it, we can do something about it and recognize the call to walk in interdependence. Because I don't think we're going to see victories, the victories that we long for, if we keep putting our own desires ahead of what God is calling. And I think that's true on a much bigger scale as well, actually. We need, we need victory in our nation. We're looking at a country where... Most people don't even know who Jesus is. And our communities and our churches across the land need victory. And God is looking for people to hear his word and to agree with it and to speak it out. Not a people who like their religion. I think if we fall into that kind of religious way of doing church life, it's almost like putting your fingers in your ears. And going, la, 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 I can't hear you, God. Because we get so hung up on the form. And then there's no power. Religion is form without power. And I think when we do 
hear God, agree with it, speak it out. God releases that. He brings life to that word. He activates his words in our lives, both individually and corporately. And then we'll take ground as individuals and we will take ground as a fellowship. And if, but if we, don't, if we don't receive what God has spoken to us, if we don't come into agreement with it, if we don't act on it, that word effectively drops to the ground. And that's tragic. Someone once said to me that if you, if you feel like you're not hearing God in your life right now, go back to the last word he spoke to you. It's probable that you haven't obeyed it. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I find that very challenging. Because there are moments where I think, oh, I don't think I can, I'm not really hearing God. It's like, okay, what did he ask me to, what did you last ask me to do? What have I ignored? Where am I not moving forward and taking ground by activating what he's spoken to me? And it's the same for us as a body. We need to activate what he's spoken to us so that we move forward and we take ground. Because God wants us to be a people who live by faith. And actually, a people who live by faith and not by experience. And that's quite a challenge, because I think we are by nature quite experiential. We want to experience God, but we don't always want to obey his word. We love the feeling of intimacy and worship, and we love the experience of that close fellowship. But sometimes we don't love to obey if it's challenging and costly. But if we come back to just wanting the experience, actually that means it's all about me again. That's not, that's not about the body. But we will, I really believe, we will see victory when we come into agreement with what God has spoken to us and what God is speaking to us. And then we will move forward together. Individual soldiers are not much use on their own. If you think about an army, they're easily picked off, whereas armies moving together take territory. And we're an army. We're the army of God. Somebody gave me uh, a word that will gave me a word for us this morning. And again, it was all about unity. It was a picture of an anchor. And on the, we are anchored into God's word. But on the top of the anchor, there was a chain. And the, and the picture was that all of the chains were linked. And each link of the chain represented an individual in the fellowship. And in the middle of the picture, there was the word unity. Now, this person had no idea what I was speaking on tonight. But I love that, that actually we are linked together like links of a chain. When you move a chain, the whole thing moves. You don't move the link by link by link. You move the whole thing. And so we need to, to activate God's word. We need to declare what God has spoken to us as well as act in obedience to it. We cooperate with God to bring it into being. A few of us were praying ahead of the service, and, and the, the expression that came to me was, we need to possess our possessions. We need, to, we need to take hold of what God has promised, and we do that by being obedient, by acting on what he's spoken. And I think, although all of us gathered in here tonight, I think, get this, I think we still, as a body, need to change our mindset about the importance of unity. Like I said at the beginning, it's not just a nice idea. 
And so we need to not just operate as individuals. There needs to be a very corporate nature to what we do. And so we need to be very aware of where the enemy comes against our unity. And of course he will. Because if God has spoken to us about the importance of unity, the enemy is going to hate that. If we're going to take ground when we obey this word, the enemy is going to do everything he can. So we need to be really aware of seeing where the enemy comes at opportunities to bring disunity where we might have a falling out with somebody, where we might have a disagreement with somebody. It's going to look different for each of us, but there are going to be attacks on our unity, whether that's between just two people or whether that's between this group of people and this group of people, whether that's between the people that historically preferred the non-liturgical worship to the people that like the really modern worship. It, it, it's going to happen, and we need to be aware of it. Because if we want to move together and move with God's word and go into new places, our battle needs to be with the enemy and not with each other. The enemy is the enemy. The person that might disagree with us is not the enemy. It's just an opportunity that the enemy will take to bring disunity. So we need to guard our hearts and our minds. We need to be very conscious of where our unity comes under threat and really work at maintaining unity, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. And so we need to listen to the prophets among us. When a word comes through one individual, but it's for the body, we all need to take note. And we need to come into agreement. Because this... I'm not exaggerating, this is life and death stuff, really. It's tempting not to see it as as important as that. But it is life and death stuff. I mean, if you think about the Israelite people, if they, if they hadn't listened to God's word, spoken to Moses and Aaron at that first Passover and woken to find their firstborn dead in the morning, that would have just been horrendous. And so when I say it's life and death stuff, I mean it. I really do. Because this is about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness and where we choose to align ourselves. When we obey God, we come under his protection. When we disobey, we're in rebellion. End of. And actually, when we're in rebellion, we come out from under God's protection. He doesn't withdraw his covering, but we place ourselves outside of it. And that's not a good place to be. We want to be under God's protection. That's why it's important to be part of a fellowship. Not just attending on a Sunday, but being one with the body, with heart and soul agreement between us. Because there we will find ourselves under the favor of God when we're walking in obedience. And so the call is for every single one of us to move with God's spirit, to create a real kingdom culture within our church. That's what we're seeking to do when we worship. That's why we have banners at the, some of the services, because it's good to actually 
demonstrates our love for the Lord and to worship in a way that brings glory to him. And it creates a heavenly atmosphere. And actually, it's very countercultural too. <laughs> and in some ways, I think, this might seem quite controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think we need to be the very opposite of a seeker-friendly church. Because seeker-friendly churches try very hard to blend in to the culture around them. But if we blend into the culture, then we're coming under all of the stuff that isn't godly. I've already said our, our Sunday services really aren't for us. They are for God. And you know, the early church, they didn't try to blend in to the culture <laughs> at all. They didn't do anything to make themselves acceptable to the Roman Empire. They didn't do anything to make non-members feel comfortable. But by being countercultural, they actually turned the Roman Empire upside down by their commitment to kingdom living. And although it might feel safer in one respect to blend in, it's actually a very dangerous place spiritually. Very dangerous indeed, because we will not be walking in the place of anointing if we try and blend in. And so in all of this, we need to remember that when we hear God, however difficult the word might be, and actually it will always be difficult on one level, because I think it will always challenge us and shape us in ways we might not want to be shaped. <laughs> but we're called to be obedient. When God speaks, he doesn't suggest, he commands. He doesn't say, well, I think it might be quite nice if you did this. It's like, no, I'm calling you to be a people characterized by unity. I'm calling you to be a kingdom body. I'm calling you to be obedient. And we are called to discern what God is doing and to move with him, not to tell him what we're doing and ask him to move with us. God first at every point. And that's why unity is so important, because God wants us to live in agreement with one another, because where there is agreement, there the Lord will move in power. It's, it's a promise. Okay. And sometimes when we pray, if we don't see heaven move in the way that we want, I think that's sometimes because we are still trying to be too independent, too self-sufficient, and I think that's the, the deception of individualism. I really believe if you look at scripture as a whole, what we see is that for God, being a Christian, it's body first, individual second. We're called to be part of the body of Christ before we're called to be individuals. I've already said that it doesn't mean we all have to be the same. Our diversity is something that's very beautiful. And, and something to be celebrated, but it's still nonetheless body first, individual second. Because when we come under authority, both God's authority and the spiritual authority that God has placed over us in our leadership, 
That's where the anointing comes. And that's what enables us to move in authority ourselves. We have to be a people under submission. And so that's our call to position ourselves in submission to God as individuals and as a body and to obey his word to us. There's, there's never any place to say, yes, I love you, Lord, but I'm actually going to do it my way. It's not Lord then. However challenging it is. So that's where I want to finish by just kind of saying to us tonight, remember it's body first. And then I really believe that we will see more of God's kingdom come as we choose to live in and activate this command to, to live together in unity. And especially as we go into this new season with the new shape of the services and new places and different and all the rest of it, even more so do we need to work on our unity if we want to experience the blessing and the favor and the protection and the breakthrough and the victory. Amen.